girls. I'm Sina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Ooh. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. <laughs> Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. I'm Danielle. And I'm Sina. Um, I don't really know if I have an opening for today. Do you? I feel like I thought about something to talk to you about on the podcast and not in our own personal conversation, and I completely forgot. You know what it is? I have... I have my notes apps for you, right? Okay, you have notes and ready to have, ready to go. I have two notebooks because so I've I've advanced okay. where I would leave I write myself post it notes for Danielle. Yeah. Um, and I would love to know if any of our listeners also do this with with their friends. But I would have like a certain color post it note for things to tell you just to tell you, and then a certain post it note of things to tell you that were specifically like podcasts or YouTube related. Um. And then I, and like, some of them would be like an opener or like something to think about. And I didn't, and then that evolved into like the notes app on my computer or my phone. Uh, But I didn't write anything down. So now I don't know. And I'm a person where if I don't write it down, I have no idea what the hell is going on in my life. You know what? This is probably a great time to bring up my IRL moment. I'm going to just bring it, bring it up here because- I, when I was watching this movie, which I'll, I'll announce it now, we're watching Killers of the Flower Moon. You guys clicked on it. You know, that's what we're talking about. So I wrote down my IRL moment. And when I, for some reason, I don't like, when I'm taking notes for the things that I'm watching, for some reason, I like to write them down on a piece of paper as opposed to writing them on my phone because... For some reason, phone takes more focus than me, like, just quickly jotting something down. However, in the moment of quickly jotting something down, I wrote my IRL moment. Don't talk that much. Make you think you're Remy, Renny, Nimini, your mouth. What was this? uh, Do you remember this in the movie? I actually do. I think this was when they first met and he took one of the few times that he took her home in his carriage and she said, you talk too much. And he said, I don't talk too much, but I don't, you went off the rails after that. But what was the, what was his comment? Like he had a smart ass comment and I related to it. She said something in her native language and he said, you must have called me like devilishly handsome or something like that it, it was before that it was like uh, you you don't talk too much make you think you're something your mouth running make you think you're running your mouth why was that my IRL moment oh um, because I run my mouth okay there we go <laughs> oh, mystery solved <laughs> in the moment it was very profound and uh my handwriting's just really, really bad. So anyway, yeah, thank Listen, you, thank you for uh, decoding that uh, that message for me. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't understand how you take handwritten, and and I am someone who needs to write things down. But when I'm watching these movies, 
my go-to is always to have my laptop next to me. And the worst part about that is when we watch something that's not in English. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of pauses. I have to, yeah, I have to like take my notes and then look up and then look back down. And that's, that's tough. Sometimes I'll just watch it and just not take notes while I do it. And then just whatever I remember is what I'll write down. Yeah. Um, it ha- So I did the thing that I usually do with this movie. I did the thing I said I wasn't going to do, but I did it anyway, where mm-hmm. I watched this last Friday night and I should have written down my notes at least that night or the day after. And what did I do? I didn't do, do that. that. I waited a full week. And then I was like, huh, what was the main art? Like, what was the climax of this movie? Huh. So last night I had to go back and fast forward and then like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, this happens. Okay. Yep. Okay. There we go. Got it. So that's what I was doing last night. But again, just very chicken scratch because if Oof, uh, if I write really chicken scratch and then I like type it up immediately, then I can remember it. These are big ifs you're throwing around here. Hey, it, this works. <laughs> <laughs> if it works, I will not question it. Oh, man. oh God. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the the moral of the story is we should write our notes immediately after finishing. The moral of my story is that I should I should write my notes immediately after finishing the thing that I'm watching, and sometimes I do, and I've been good. But this week, it's all good. I was really sucked into Love Is Blind, and that took up a lot of my time. Oh, same. But if we talk about it. I, I haven't caught up. I haven't. I, I, haven't I, will, I won't. We'll just say All that right. if you guys are waffling on whether you should, if you love a reality TV show like us and you are waffling on whether you should watch this season or not, because last season was terrible. Um, it blew. <laughs> chunks. It blew chunks. Yeah. <laughs> um, this season is really, really good. Not in the sense that everyone's finding love, in the sense that everyone's a train wreck. Who doesn't love a good train wreck? Oh. Me. Love a train wreck. Well, you said something that stuck with me a long time ago. Okay. And I I think it was you. Forgive me if it wasn't. But I think you had said, I found my space in this realm. And it's one season, almost anthology versions of reality television. Oh, no, I don't think that was me. But that That sounds really good. Like what? I I I thought it was you. I need that further explained. Like. I, I thought you had told me that you liked how, like, you only have to commit to these characters for, like, one season, and then and then it's over. And then the next season, you get a new group of people to, like, oh. I, I thought you had said that it was, like, just enough time for you to, like, not fall in love with these characters, but, like, understand the connection that the audience can have with them. And, like, with the, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Uh, and, then it's, and then it's over. And then you don't have to worry about these people really anymore. I don't think that was me because I know okay. that when I have been binging Below Deck, like, I love the characters at the end of the season of Below Deck. And then I, like, start a new season. I'm like, who are these new people? And I... <laughs> They don't belong here. Yeah, I don't, I am like, bring me back. The, that last season was so good. Let me, give me the the people from last season. But um, I don't think that was me. 
Okay. Yeah. What did I have this conversation with? Well, if I had that, this conversation with That happens with you, to me all... It was like, who was I talking about? Who was I... T-? Like, you remember the subject, but you mm-hmm. don't remember who you were talking to about it. You're like, who was I... And it's like, did I dream that? Like, what What was... What was... <laughs> My favorite is when you confuse conversations that you've had with me and conversations that you've had with Nick. Oh, yeah. That happens a lot, though. Because, like, you obviously live with Nicholas, but we talk at least twice a week. And so you're, but the, but we are, most of our talks are either like via Zoom or via text and his are face to face. So it's funny to me because it's like the subject matter is so vivid, but the platform for which you discuss that subject matter is not vivid at all. And it's like, when I have those moments, like, I feel like I remember having this conversation over a screen versus face-to-face, and it just doesn't happen. You know what? It's almost nice to hear because you know that we're really engaging in what we're saying, that all of the details of who, what, when, where, and why go out the window because we're just locked into what we're talking about. We're locked into yeah. the subject matter. Well, the where. The where is gone for sure because we don't remember uh, where we have to get yes, no. When, forget about it. It could be, the the other day for me is like, the other day could be in December 3rd, 1991, which was the day after I was born, or so <laughs> it could be two weeks ago, it could be a couple hours ago. The other day is is an infinite amount of time. I don't understand how people think that the other day means like three days ago oh see i i think that and i get corrected often no but only that oh the other day meaning like a day that's so close i just can't remember what it was which like actual day it was no the day the other day could be like could be two months ago let's at least put a three-year cap on (laughs) Yeah, and I hate when I say the other day and someone's like, that was two months ago. And I'm like, yeah, that was the other day. The other day, <laughs> the other day in the other month. What do you want? I'm not. Yeah. Why do I have to define how long in the space of time it was? Because I'm not going to define it. You don't. Admit to nothing. <laughs> I will. Speaking of the other day. It was very difficult sometimes to figure out what day we were in based on the movie that we're about to discuss because I just feel like this timeline went in a particular order, but there were some times where I'm like, hmm, I guess it's the next day. And then I think it's like a year later. So Yeah, there was a back that today. I, I see I see the pull. It was it was a bit of a stretch. You were reaching. You were kind of doing yeah. an elastic arm to get it out there, but uh it's I'm a big stretcher. You got it. You got it. Big stretcher. So, yes, today, well, I said it earlier, we're talking about Killers of the Flower Moon, and where can we you We are talking it? about Killers of the Flower Moon, but I will say, that impromptu intro, I didn't mind that. Okay. I feel like that was perfect, like, of just normal shit that we talk about, a nice little intro to our lives and how they operate with each other, <laughs> and it's enough. Yeah. I'm here for it. Okay. Killers of the Flower Moon is on Apple TV. It is an Apple TV exclusive. Okay, so at the Academy Awards, which are March 10th. Am I right? Am I wrong? 
Should have looked this I... up. That's a good question. Okay, you look that up. I'll read I out. Will. I'll read out the awards because they're a bunch. Uh, best achievement in best achievement in music. Oh my gosh, I miss music. Written for motion pictures, original score. Um, nominated for motion picture of the year. Okay, yeah. Uh, best achievement in directing. Best performance by an actress in a le leading role, Lily Gladstone. Uh, Robert De Niro is nominated for best performance by an actor in a supporting role. Um, Best Achievement in Cinematography, Best Achievement in Film Editing, there was film editing, uh, Best Achievement in Production Design, <laughs> Best Achievement in Costume Design. Okay, so let me scroll on down to the Golden Globes. I'm laughing at you. Okay, so at the Golden Globes, nominated for Best Original Score, uh, Leo was nominated for Best Performance by a Male Actor, Bobby D was nominated for Best Performance by a Male Actor in a Supporting Role, uh, Best Screenplay, Best Director, Best Motion Picture, and then Lily Gladstone won for Best Performance by a Female in a Motion Picture Drama. Drama? Okay. In the 1920s, around the same time when oil is discovered in Oklahoma, a mysterious string of murders occurs between the... Okay, is it Osage? Osage? Oh, they were Osage saying Osage. Or Osage? I was. I heard them say Osage. Okay, I just wanted to double check with you because I feel like it could go either way. Osage people. It seems like there is no hope until Molly gets the strength to go to Washington, D.C. to let the president know of the issue. Then the FBI visits the scene in Oklahoma to put together the pieces of the puzzle. Okay, so let's get into our characters. Our main character is Ernest Burkhart, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. He's home from war, and he begins worth working with his uncle, William King Hale, played by Bobby D. He is a vet on this podcast. He was in The Irishman. Have we done anything else with Bobby D? I don't know. I don't I know. So. I can't forget The Irishman. I will never, <sighs> never. be able to forget that. Um, William King Hale, he's a mob boss before it was such a thing. He seems like a local cattle herder, but really he has his hand in everything. Uh, Ernest meets Molly, played by Lily Gladstone. She's an Osage woman who's very strong and loving and is charmed by Otis, <laughs> also known as Ernest. <laughs> Otis? <laughs> Do you hear him crying? Is that why you said that? No, I don't know why. In my mind, Otis, Otis and Ernest just they make sense they're they they are the same name they are not I the same hear, name but in my I mind they're the same name well all right i hear it i you, can hear it okay but when you said otis i was like where is he is he here now? <laughs> what otis is my dog <laughs> you don't know also my son um molly has three sisters anna played by cara jade myers rita played by janae collins and minnie played by jillian dion um, all wind up dead for various reasons. FBI agent Tom White comes to town, played by a actor who I love saying his last name, Jesse Plemons. Uh, we've said it twice on this podcast because he was in The Irishman and he was in Power of the Dog. He's in, this man is in everything. He is. Like, I, have you watched Breaking Bad? Not all the way through. Okay, I won't. I'll tell you just that he did a very good job of making me just 
absolutely despise him in that movie. Okay. Or that show, rather. All right. Um, once we move on to the court scenes, we see prosecutor Peter Leeward, played by Lord Farquaad himself, John Lithgow. Thank you. Thank or you if you've watched season one of The Crown, John Lithgow is Winston Churchill. So when he came on the screen, I was like, ha, it's Winston Churchill. <laughs> and then defense. Winston. Sorry. <laughs> then defense attorney W.S. Hamilton uh, is played by Brendan Fraser. Good to see him back. Yes. Okay. Yes. Also, the whale is available, so. <laughs> Should we watch the whale now? We've been trying know. to watch it for how many years? I'm not saying. No, that one just came out last year. But although, but there are. We've some been trying to watch it for a full calendar year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, what was that movie beforehand? Once oh, Upon was... a Time in Hollywood? No, Those that's that's available too. Um, now, Dan. I know, but that was another years. like two year situation. Um, Dunkirk. Can we watch Dunkirk now? We've been trying to watch oh. it for like two, three years. Oh, I have no idea. I know it's it's a whatever. All I right. know what they're doing. Mo- moving on. So we go into this climax that I just recapped while fast forwarding last night. Tom White comes to town to investigate with the newly open investigation bureau, aka the Baby FBI. He works with the insurance investigators to collect enough evidence to convict W.K. Hale, and they narrow in on Ernest for the testimony. He realizes this and starts, or Hale realizes this and starts trimming the fat of his group and covering his tracks, but they find the guy who was sent to kill Anna, and that leads them to Ernest. Then Hale, Hale, both Hale and Ernest are arrested. Originally, they originally convince Ernest to testify against Hale, but Hamilton very loudly calls in a loophole, kind of like um, Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy. <laughs> I think about that scene at least once a month. Thank you. I, I didn't say it. I declared it. Like, that's kind of the vibe that Hamilton gave off in that courtroom. And... <laughs> And Ernest goes home and is convinced not to testify. Uh, When Ernest is arrested, hold on. When Ernest is arrested, Molly is on death's door with the poison they're pumping. They're pumping her with poison, calling it insulin. She heals and hears uh, Kelsey's testimony on the death of Anna and begins changing her opinion of Ernest. Ernest does wind up testifying against Hale about the explosion at Reed and Bill's and Anna's death. But when asked if he schemed with Hale to marry Molly and kill her for the money, he says no and that he loves his wife. Afterwards, Molly questions Ernest about what was in the insulin and Ernest refuses to admit he doubted, um, doubted himself. And this is where I hand it over to you. Okay. The only other thing that I want to say is Jesse Plums is also in Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh he my gosh. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And the Oscars, you are correct, May 10th. March 10th. March 10th? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so I went over a I little can't remember bit. places and times, but I can remember the numbers and dates for some weird reason, even though I skew them in my head. I can remember That's when the Oscars are. Go figure. All. Sorry for interrupting. Please continue. No, you're good. Um, okay. So, I, so after Ernest says that it's insulin, Molly gets up and leaves the room. Ernest 
stares at the door back to the FBI agent and then puts his head down. Cut to a staged true crime story of the Osage murders. More information is revealed to the audience during this presentation. It's also done with a song and dance, um, but there's no name, particular name to this presentation or like show or whatever. It's it's a, ra- it's a show. No, There's it's a, a lot of music. If it's the time period, it's radio. That's how they would record radio. Oh, because there was like no indication of like recording pieces of it. I couldn't tell. They're, they're all speaking into microphones. Yeah, but people speak into microphones when they do like an open mic. No, no, no. I mean... I'm basing this off of the time period. There was no TV at that point. So people used to listen, like tune into radio shows and it okay, would be yeah. like these big productions. And But what I didn't know was it was front of a, a studio audience, which is pretty cool. That's, that's what tripped me up. I wasn't sure if it was just for an audience or if it was for that. I wasn't because I can't tell what a microphone looks like for radio and it's a big open room and there's lots of echoing. So I just wasn't sure. Um, so anyway, it's this kind of presentation and the information that is revealed is that Byron was tried as well as an accomplice for Anna's murder. Kelsey Morrison said at the trial that Byron got her drunk and he did the rest. Byron was released after a hung jury. William Hale was found guilty and sent to jail for life. He wrote letters to his Os- Osage friends, Osage, sorry, mm-hmm. friends. His letters sound like he's either a an outright psychopath, or he's to living delusions of grandeur. Hale was released in 1947. The parlor board cited his record as a good prisoner for an early release, but not everybody was happy about this. Hale wasn't supposed to visit Oklahoma again, but he often did to visit his relatives. William Hale died in, Air- in an Arizona nursing home, and he lived to be 87 years old. Ernest was sent to uh, for life Ernest was sentenced for life in prison. He was granted a pardon and moved back where he lived out the rest of his days with his brother. After Molly divorced Ernest, after she realized that he was poisoning her, she lived with her new husband and she did actually pass of diabetes in 1937. Her obituary read, um, Mrs. Miss, was it Colby? What? Her, her Cobb. I think it was Molly Cobb. Can I, I remember her sure. new last? I think it was Cobb. Um, 50 years of age, passed away, and on, on the 11, uh, and on the 11th of a Wednesday night, her home was filled, uh, I'm sorry, she was a full-blood Osage and uh, was buried with her family. There was absolutely no mention of the murders. Cut shot to um, banging on a drum and a circle dancing from what is to be, what is believed to be the remaining Osage people. And I will say the one piece of foreshadowing here is that Hale had said from the very beginning, these people don't live past the age of 50. And Molly ended up dying at the age of 50. Mm. Okay. So what was the IMDb rating? It was a 7.7 out of 10. On Metacritic, the meta score was an 89 and the user score is a 7.7. On Rotten Tomatoes, the critics were had a 90, 93%, excuse me, and the audience gave it an 84%. Okay. <laughs> so um 
I don't know. Did my like ending come across okay? Is there anything that you'd like me to like go over again? No. Okay, I did my best. I think there's a lot of typos in here. Um, I picked this review just for the title. Okay. It's a four out of ten. Titled Killers of My Patients. There you go. <laughs> okay. Obviously, this isn't bad. It's from an amazing director with an interesting story. Now that that's out of the way, this was the worst way to tell the story. It should have been from the POV of the FBI. That's when it got interesting. Telling the story in chronological order wasn't interesting. It would have been better to hear it all and investigate it because then all of the info is waiting there to be discovered. In order, random things happen along the way that didn't deserve much time. Following Leo wasn't interesting enough to hold two hours by itself. Was it supposed to be heartbreaking? Sad? I don't know. But there wasn't enough going on up until the plot. To fill the plot, sorry. The FBI gets in and the team looked so cool. It would have been much more shocking for them to hear about the murders all at once and really driven the point home instead of kind of experiencing it. It was slow, too slow. I was worried about three and a half hours. I didn't realize I was, it was going to feel like six and a half. The Irishman is a slow movie, but it isn't boring. Debatable, and this movie is boring. It's not just slow, it's boring. We get it. I keep waiting for it to get going, and it never did. The slow pacing was a disadvantage to the movie because it made me lose interest. And it made me much more aware of the length because I just kept thinking about how much longer it was going to be. I think they just kept shooting until they ran out of film. I think that that what your reviewer is suggesting would have made it such a better storyline if you start out with the uh, FBI coming to town and you start piecing together that story and then from there you can work with like flashbacks because it's always it's not always but it tends to be more interesting when you give the viewer a glimpse of what's going to happen down the line and then you mm. jump back to the story and then you can get to the point where oh, okay this is this is where we're going to wind up and this is what we saw in the beginning um so what i'm hearing is scorsese nolan and tarantino should have worked together on this <laughs> to create something that's out of sequence but still captivating that that is way too many egos i don't think those three could ever collaborate like that that maybe nolan and scorsese maybe not tarantino. no no i i don't think i'm honestly surprised those three men can be in the same room at these award shows because their egos probably <laughs> just take up the whole space um, so it's interesting that you picked that review because my review is kind of similar. Um, okay. this is four out of five stars, very well acted, but doesn't quite live up to the book it's based upon. So this is based on a book. Based on a you book. should have said that in the beginning. Apologies. Hey, we're, we're saying it now. It's based on a book, uh, which would be a tall feat to be fair, because I hear that the book is that's written in the review, but I'm adding in, I hear the book is really good. I'm surprised okay. Nick doesn't have it on his way to our apartment right now because uh, as we were watching it, he was like, I should get the book. Anyway, the FBI's investigation, as well as the importance of this particular case to the very formation of the FBI, is mostly gone from the film version, which is too bad given that Jesse Plemons could have done so much with this role but hardly had any screen time. Some other changes to the story for the sake of the film 
while understandable, may bother those looking for historical accuracy. So I think that that's really interesting because I don't think you really, you get that the FBI is on, on its like beta stage. Like it's, it's new. Like you're just hearing J. Edgar Hoover for the first time. You're like, people don't know who, who the FBI is. That's why when he comes to town, he's kind of just like pushed aside because, okay, he's an investigator with the government, like whatever. But I think that that would have just been so much more of a storyline if we really did focus in on that as opposed to having it in one of the final acts and then be done with it. That's interesting. I didn't really think about it um, like that because the FBI had been around for a little while before this. Like this takes place in the 1920s and I think that the FBI started in the early 1900s. Well, it's still new like that that is that is the vibe you get from the movie you get the vibe that it is still new i get yeah but i also just thought that hale was being arrogant no i no i think that just the fbi was not what it is today and i can't keep saying this without thinking about the john Mulaney joke we're with the fbi which Very upsetting that joke was cut from his stand-up yeah, special. Very true. Um, anyway, so I think that's a good place to segue into our highs and lows. I do agree that the subject matter of this film is interesting. I have yes. I have never heard of this, and it is absolutely wild to think about. And it makes you want to look up more on the subject matter. Um, I, you know what I'm most curious about? What? I didn't realize that all of these Native Americans had diabetes. Like, because I looked it up, the illness that they're talking about is undiagnosed diabetes. Yeah. Um, I really don't know the history of diabetes, but... It's been around since, like, the 1500s. I think that was the first case of it that's been in existence. Mm-hmm. I kind of did just, like, a quick Google search while... This was had so much time to Google with this movie. (laughs) So I took advantage of it. Um, But I just, I didn't realize that that was like a, a, a a killer among, among them in terms of like a disease. Mm. It's totally not what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, I think it's more interesting. The inheritance that they, they had and how it, you know, people very clearly stripped it away from them in various, that that whole storyline is so fascinating and I definitely want to look up more on it. Um, yeah. I thought and that, I mean, no, talking about hiding in pla- talk about hiding in plain sight too, because it just seemed like Hale got away with everything and it was just like, oh, well, it happened this way. Yeah. Oh, well, he, oh, oh, well, he fell down or, oh, well, uh, you know, she's ill and we have to give her her medicine and they're just slowly poisoning these people. Oh, no, he had his hand in every, everything, you know, he was running this huge scheme, which is something I have never heard of it, which is absolutely wild. And so if you're thinking like, huh, this guy that has a mob mentality, of course you would cast Robert De Niro. Yeah. However, when the actor's main job is to have a Southern role, yeah. you should not cast Robert De Niro because he lost it 
an uncountable amount of times. See, I wasn't so upset with Bobby D being cast in this. I actually preferred this role for him at this stage in his career as opposed to what they were trying to do in The Irishman. Oh, I know. Like getting him to kick and making a CGI yeah, like, portion of it. This is this least. is a role that I would like to see him in. Like I would like to see him as like and like a oh I'm I'm just a an elder in the community and I've done so much but really I'm just like greasy and scheming and you know playing puppet master behind the scenes like I it's I like that role for him oh yeah because it but also it's another version of what he's been playing but he needed he needed a, an accent coach here I'm sorry it's it was not but it was. I agree with that part of it. I mm-hmm. agree that, like when, like I said, when you think about this type of role, it makes perfect sense. But it, there would be times where the accent would come, and then when he would get really into what he was saying, it was gone. Yeah, it was gone, and it was just like regular Robert De Niro. Like there was a time where he delivered a line, and I was looking down at my notes, and I looked up, and I'm like, "Am I watching Meet the Parents? <laughs> what happened?" Because it was so far, he was like, son, you got to do it this way. What are you doing? And I'm like, where are we going with this? Yeah. Um, I didn't it's really. It's almost like he's too, he's like, he's too much of a legend that nobody wanted to be like, you need an accent coach. Well. Because like, nobody wants to talk to him that way. And, and right, I get it. Like, he's paid his dues. But like, it, it wasn't consistent for me. Well, this this is what I was going to bring up because that's not something that I necessarily picked up on. And I think that one of the reasons why I didn't pick up on it is because he is such a legacy actor where like, regardless of what the tone of his accent, I'm just going to see Bobby D. Like, I'm never going to get past that like, okay, this, this is Hale, but... In my mind, it's like, oh, I'm watching Robert De Niro. Like, so it's almost like it was unnecessary. Like, I, at the end of the day, it's going to be Robert De Niro. See, but I feel like it was necessary because that that puts one more foggy lens over who he really is, right? Did he have a prosthetic nose on in this, by the way? I don't think so. That's his nose? I think that's his nose. I couldn't tell. Um, but so you have like the makeup and you have like the glasses and you have, um, the setting that kind of make it, but it's still like, it's Robert De Niro in like this old time setting. But I think with that accent, it can take a step out. And I think every time he came out of that accent or that role, I felt like I was being reminded like, Hey, don't forget I'm Robert De Niro playing this character. And so for me... But see, while you're relying on the accent to be like, oh, it's not Robert De Niro, I can't, in my brain, I can't unsee it. Like, I will always think, like, oh, that's Robert De Niro. No, no amount of makeup or costume or setting will make me not think that that's Robert De Niro. See, but I feel like that's a problem. I mean, I would also argue the same thing with Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, no amount of fake teeth or the way that he, you know, moves his mouth or speaks, I will always remember, I will always know that that's Leonardo DiCaprio. But I feel like that's just the cross these actors need to bear as legacy 
actors. Do you think it's... All right. Uh-oh. What? Do you think it's because they're legacy actors? Or do you think it's because they've played the same character so many times that we expect something similar from them? Well, I brought this up when I saw you on Saturday, and it was I a know, big conversation. I know, we talked about it in a much more negative way, and I'm trying not to talk about it. You know what? I, I, I will give my opinion right now. And I okay. don't think it's necessarily negative, but the point that or a conversation that Nick and I got into while we were watching this was... Does Leo Leonardo DiCaprio actually have range? Does he have range as an actor? And in my mind, not really. But also, I guess, like, at this point in his career, like, he doesn't necessarily want to have range. Like, I, he's not doing anything that's really going to, like, push him out of his limits. Like, this role that he took is very similar to other roles that I've seen him in. I didn't think that it was anything out of the ordinary. I still think one of the best things he ever did was the aviator. I mean, I, listen, I, I'm not denying that he's a good actor. He is. I've watched many of his films. I think that he's an incredible actor. However, I don't think that he's necessarily, you know, changing himself or changing the role that he's doing. I think that he's taking very similar roles and just like tweaking them a little bit and yeah. still being Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, I mean, we, so, you know, last weekend when we chatted about this in person, we compared, and for those of you who are Leo lovers, just stay with us because we compared <laughs> yeah. his role. <laughs> Listen, but, I am not saying that I do not like Leonardo DiCaprio. I do like Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm just saying that if he really wants to push himself as an actor, he could do a little bit more. But he has no reason. He got the Oscar. That's all he was waiting for at this point. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he did The Revenant. He stayed in the fucking carcass for 72 hours. He basically paid his dues in that. He got the Oscar, and then that's that. But if you ask me, he should have won the Oscar for The Departed or The Aviator. But in those years, he went up against... He's always up against big films. Yeah. And you know what? If you're not going to change your range, you're going to lose to the people who are. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um. Thinking about, like, people who changed their range, like, I thought a lot about um, Matthew McConaughey. We compared him to Matthew McConaughey, we compared him to Johnny Depp, and we compared him to, what the hell is his name? The Irish one. Not the Irishman. Colin Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, like, a fucking chameleon in everything that he does. But also, like, I don't know. I don't think that... That being said that Leo doesn't have a lot of range, I don't think that actors should necessarily go into these roles thinking that they need to get an Oscar because that's not you know that's not a love of the craft that's a love of getting an award getting you know recognition where it should be that you love to act and you want to push yourself and it just seems like with Leo he's not necessarily pushing himself and honestly maybe he doesn't want to push himself anymore and that's totally fine but in my opinion, watching this, I kind of just felt like Leo didn't have, you know, this was a role that I've seen Leo in before without even seeing the movie. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I mean, I will say I thought his accent, like I thought his accent and draw was was really good and it was really consistent. Um, but again, we've seen him do this. Like we've seen him in Django Unchained. We know that he can do like a really good mm, Southern accent. That's, 
right. That's yeah. right. That's what I was thinking of when I was watching this movie. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, to pivot uh, away from these legacy actors, let's talk about the new actors in this movie. I really liked Lily Gladstone as an actress. I, me too. I think I wrote I wrote that down somewhere that they that her acting was phenomenal, but also they did a very good job of making her look very very sick, and then also making her look better. Yeah. Um, but and, not too better. Not like a complete change. Right. That's and it was, the difference. It was, it was the eyes. They spent yeah. a lot of time on the eyes, and I thought that that was really great. And and in these moments, I felt myself captivated. Like I felt myself like really rooting for her by hating the people who wronged her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was getting frustrated in all the right places. I mean, like, there were times where I was just, like, screaming at my television. Oh, which yeah. Which brings me to certain lows for the story. But, like, at the same time, it was – it that part of it I found really captivating in the story itself. Yeah. I agree. So let's get into those lows, shall we? Yeah. So, all right. Why are there no subtitles until, like, an hour and 50 minutes in when they're speaking a different language? Oh, what that was so annoying. I didn't on? know what they were saying. I wanted to know. That was so fucking annoying because they were talking in this language for not the whole movie, but there were spout there were spouts of it. Yeah. And it could have been if they gave us those little words in the beginning, it would have been easier because then we could have recognized those words because they kept using them again later. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that sounds like what I heard 30 minutes ago, but I still don't know what the fuck it means. Yep. Yep. I agree. What a, what an inconsistency there. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah, that was, I noticed that a lot. I was like, why am I not understanding? And they're having full-blown conversations and I can't, yeah, yeah, not happy about that. And I had the subtitles on while I was watching it because I was on my treadmill for some of it. My treadmill is very loud when I step on it. Um, there were subtitles, like when you turn the subtitles on, there's subtitles when but, they're speaking English. When they're speaking a different language, there's no subtitles, and it doesn't even say speaking native language. There's nothing there. And I'm like, what the fuck? See, I always have my subtitles on, but uh, what was coming up was speaking in Osage language. Like, I didn't even get that. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, um, why didn't Molly say something sooner? Why was it that they made her better and then she went back and continued shooting herself up with insulin? How did she not get to the, how did she get help from the hospital? Um, And then also that they didn't tell her that like, hey, what medicines are you taking? Stop taking these because we've made you better now. How is she going home and then going back to the painful process of slowly dying basically? Um, I didn't really read it like that. How I read it was... If you remember, when she first started taking insulin, it was presented to her as this is modern medicine, you're getting the best health care. But of course, it was coming from Hale's doctors. So, and she, and then once she like started kind of feeling like I'm feeling really sick, I don't want to get the injections from the doctors. I'm getting them from Ernest because I love and I trust Ernest. And then... Once she winds up going, she's being poisoned. She realizes, oh, I'm being poisoned. And she goes to the hospital and then she gets all better. She goes back home. But Mm -hmm. if you notice, now she's giving herself the injection and she's 
being injected with insulin, but it's not insulin that's coming from those doctors. It's insulin coming from the hospital. So at that point, she's actually getting the correct medicine that she needs as opposed to what was coming from them. And I think that was a good marker. I thought that was really interesting. It was a good marker to see how Molly's opinion was changing of the, the situation because originally I don't trust the doctors. I trust Ernest. Ernest will give it to me. And then it's like, I'm starting to not trust Ernest. I'm only going to trust myself and trust my gut, for lack of a better word. Right. But in reality, I really think that that was the one place where Ernest was so naive. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And you... like I really do believe him when he said, I loved her. I cared for her. I did everything that I could for her. I don't think for a second that he thought his uncle would do that to his wife. And I think that's why when he started to realize it, he turned on his uncle. I agree, but I do think that there was a moment of doubt with Ernest when he when his uncle kept saying you need to give her the full vial in the insulin and you saw him pour it in his own drink to try to figure out if it's going to poison me as well like you know if I'm if I'm poisoning her then I'm going to poison myself as well I think that Ernest was definitely naive that was you know a main marker of who he was and why he was easily manipulated by his uncle but there, that moment was the moment of doubt where he's like, I don't know if I'm actually doing the right thing or if I'm slowly killing my wife. Right. And I think that that was foreshadowed also um, because when he comes back, he basically asks him in less words, like if he's educated um, by asking him if he can read. And he's like, I, I, I can read. He's like, how much do you read? He's like, I can do it. Yeah. And I think that that kind of like, that kind of inquiry leads to us believing that like he doesn't he he has war wartime experience but he doesn't really have experience of like anything else in the world of people like wronging him outside of that setting so you know if this is my family and my family's gonna trust me I'm not gonna have to worry about anything yeah yeah I I agree um I think one of my bigger lows of this movie is I'm not crazy about the storytelling. We kind of talked about this when we talked about our reviews and not to compare the movies, but like Saltburn did it better where like, as you're watching the movie, you clearly start to pick up on what is going on. And Saltburn. Oh my God. We watched two poison movies back to back. We did. Um, in Saltburn, you know, the point that I really, really liked about it was, and okay, maybe I don't want to spoil Saltburn for everyone, but like the story's laid out in front of you. This movie did not have a dramatic twist that I wanted it to. Like I would have liked the whole point of what was going on to lay more under the surface and then have a big reveal or to be self-aware and be like, you guys already know what's going on. Yeah. Okay. I I just I didn't like that. And then um yeah, I think that was that was my biggest low. I agree with the um the way that the story was told, which is one of the reasons why I took that review as well. I think the only other low that I had was did Ernest sign the document that Hale wanted him to? What was that document? It never came up in court. It I don't think it ever came up again. Am I missing something here? Um, I did get the I think he did, but it was basically like signing over the rights to Molly's 
like money to him basically to hail okay but i guess that was um oh maybe that's how he paid for his nursing home in arizona <laughs> i mean i don't know that that's not really explained but i think well, that it makes sense because he comes back and he just lives with his brother in a trailer I mean, yeah, but you also get the idea that Hale is, you know, you don't know the specifics of that, but you get the idea that Hale is getting money from all these people. You know, Hale's burning down his cattle farm to get the insurance money. Like, Hale has multiple stokes in the fire, and at the end of the day, like all mob bosses, like, he's going to, he's going to be the one who makes it out. He is the original MLM. Like, if anyone's going to make money, it is Hale. It is the guy at the top. He's going to make you think that everyone else is going to get money, but at the end of the day, no, Hale is going to get all the money. Well, yeah, and that naive nature of Ernest where you'll be taken care of, you might get blamed for some things, don't worry about it, and then he goes to tell his wife, he's like, I'm not in trouble. I'm good. Like, they're going to make a whole show of me getting arrested. Hey, if they're making a show of you getting arrested, you're probably getting arrested. Yep. (laughs) Um, Um, Do you want to move into snack break? I mean, honestly, I just had a hot cup of tea. I don't know if it's because I just had too much caffeine yesterday, but this was like all I could stomach. I was like watching this and I was getting so frustrated that my stomach was just like turning. Yeah. I ate dinner while I was watching this and we had some shrimp tacos. And you what? We had some shrimp tacos. Ooh. Yeah. We we are on different planes. Well, I was watching this earlier. I watched this like right after work last Friday. So... Mm. Okay. Yeah. My, so a couple things for my expectation. I, I was expecting, um, when I heard that there was oil involved, I was expecting to hear more about the oil other than a couple of just like explosions from the ground. I was not expecting this to take place in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. I, uh, so I found, I found out the time frame before I found out about the oil. And so when I, when I heard about it, I was like, oh, maybe it takes place like, a while back and it was like the 1920s so that also was not something i was expecting um i also was not expecting to see brendan fraser and john lithgow here those all were outside of my uh expectations versus what actually happened that's a really good point and i was not expecting that either i wasn't really expecting the time frame when you think about this movie you think like oh it's probably 1800s 1900s and then you like start watching you're like oh it's still probably like 1900s and then it's like this is the 1920s like it didn't didn't really make i guess like you don't think about oklahoma in 1920 like you think about like new york city in 1920 or like yeah asbury park in 1920 but like you don't think about Fairfax, Oklahoma in 1920. I don't think I think about Asbury Park in the 1920s. I, I bring that up because I'm thinking of like Boardwalk Empire. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, just to clarify, you said you 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 don't think it's in the 1900s, but it's in the 1920s. Do you mean like the 19th century? I, when you, no, I didn't say I don't think, if I did, I misspoke. When okay. I originally went into this, I thought it was maybe like 1800s or like between 1900 and 1910. Like that time, that Got decade. Okay. That's when I was thinking, but it was actually 10 years after that. Okay. Um... I would like to bring up at this point that our longtime Fran, Sarah, actually suggested this, that we watch oh, this. thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, she said that it was long and that she needed to take a break in the middle of it, but it was good. So 
Um, again, not to compare movies to movies, but uh, I gave this, I knew it was three and a half hours long. I gave it the Oppenheimer benefit of the doubt, uh, but that was quickly extinguished. If you know what we're talking about, when we watch Oppenheimer, we have never watched a three hour movie that went quicker. This was not that. <laughs> I would say it's not as good as Oppenheimer, but it was better than The Irishman. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that's that bargain. where I stand because I fell in love with these characters a lot more, and maybe because like this mob mentality here, because it was a different time frame, everything takes so long, and maybe that is one of the benefits from it being drawn out is that you get to really process and understand the characters. But in 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 uh, the Irishman, you know, everybody's getting gunned down left and right, so you don't really have a whole lot of time. Like, I really would have loved to see a little bit more of Sebastian Maniscalco in that, but he was completely out forgot as fast that. as he was in. Completely forgot he was in that. Yeah. All right, I said my IRL in the beginning of this, so do you have? Any- I I wrote Lord. I'm grateful I don't have one. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think I have anything from this. I don't even have. No. I don't think so. No, that's okay. No, I think I'm out. All right. So I I think that's everything. It is everything. Well, thank you all very much for listening. This is the last. This is no, this is coming out today. What are we doing next week? Next week is March. So this is the last episode of February. Oh, that's right. So we have the B movie coming mm-hmm. out um, in March, which is a suggestion. And we have a whole bunch of stuff coming out in March that revolves around the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very exciting. But if you have, um, we'll post the watch list, if not this weekend, next week. You can write in reviews. You can also make suggestions for April. Um, contact us on Instagram and Twitter at Hey It's Two Girls. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Class Sixtina. Danielle's on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. You can send us an email with reviews and suggestions at Two Girls Watch TV at gmail.com. Two is spelled T-W-O. The YouTube channel is Two Girls Drink Beer. And as always, thank you for listening. If you have a moment, like, rate, review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, it's very much appreciated. All right, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your weekends, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.